I'm Jessica Peresta, host of the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 124 of Podcast PD, we are sharing advice for new teachers. Let's start the show. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. What is up, Podcast PD people? We're back. <laughs> My name is Chris Nessie at Mr. Nessie on Twitter, and this is once again the 124th episode Remix. of Podcast PD. And I am joined, as always, for I'll just say the 120th time, because maybe oh, you missed one that. here at some maybe. point. Yeah. The Podcast Paisano, AJ Bianco. What's up, buddy? Hey, what what is up, everybody? It's uh, good to be back and uh, apologize for the hiatus and i'll just be straight up and i'll just put it out there it was all my fault <laughs> it was it was we, we, i think everybody can figure out it was me chris continues to want to push this show and like well i want to do it and i think this year has been a bear uh the 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 uh climate and being back at school and kind of dealing with everything and dealing with personal life and professional life and sports with the kids has just been exhausting if you're watching on the video you probably see i have more gray hair now than I did six months ago. So I'm telling you, if you if you shaved, you would take it back to like 2005. Yeah, it's okay. I'm good. <laughs> look at how young I look. I took it all off the top. I took it all yeah. off the face. You, you are a beautiful man. Yeah, I got. Uh, I, I don't feel like shaving. I haven't shaved since 2020. I figured that out the other day. And that's April. all. That's it. That's all you have accumulated. Oh, no. I mean, I, I mean, I I, I have <laughs> definitely trimmed, but but uh, you know, I haven't shaved for real. Thank Am- you, Amanda. Amanda it. Fox checking in. She says gray is okay. It is okay. It's all good. <laughs> I feel good. I feel like uh, maybe a little George Clooney-ish. Okay. Like Just which? Like, like George Clooney ER or George Clooney Batman and Robin? <laughs> I, I've only seen him in Batman and Robin, so I'll just go with that. Okay. He's He's been in a new movie with uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of movies. You know True. And people aren't here to listen to us talk about movies. No, no. Let's, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. I just want to apologize to everybody. So we're here. So let's tell everybody what the changes are, Chris. Yes. So changes to Podcast PD. Uh, we are going to a one episode per month format. Because of and, me. Go ahead. Because of me. Because of AJ. Yeah. And that's going to allow us, because of AJ, to take some time to plan better episodes and create better content because of AJ. So... We're going to be live streaming as we are right now. We're going to live stream on the last Sunday of the month. So that's when you can expect to tune in, except when the end of the month is a holiday, we'll let you know in the episode. So like, we're not going to do an episode on Memorial Day weekend <laughs> um, unless we want to do it with hot dogs and stuff and there you go. figure it Pod- out. Podcast PD barbecue. Oh, t-shirts coming soon. There you go. <laughs> um, but we also want to build uh, some more community around the podcast and have some conversations with you, our listener, 
when we're not recording episodes. So we have started a Discord community. The Podcast PD Discord can be found at podcastpd.com slash Discord. And that's where we can continue the conversation between the episodes. And by connecting with our listeners, you can help us shape future episodes and topics. And yes, Amanda, producing content is hard. <laughs> Good content, even harder. So yeah, we're, we are we are totally going to go get it. All right. So AJ, it's me. today we're going to talk about tips for new teachers. You and I are veterans. Is that safe to say? Are we veterans at this point? Man, this is this is year 18 for me, so I don't think you get more veteran than that. That's true. I, I am in year 11 at my current school, and I date my, my teaching back to when I student taught in the fall of 2007. So that's where I count the beginning, because you teach when you student teach. Yeah, you do. At least I make my student teachers teach. <laughs> I don't know what, what other people are doing. It was it was thanks to my student teaching that I got my first job. I got I got my student teaching led to my classroom teaching. Really? Yep. Same school, same classroom, basically. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a veteran educator, but now you're in the role of assistant principal. Yeah, man. Year three. Year it's three. It's almost are, done at this point. Yeah. Are Are you a tenured administrator yet? Or not yet? Not After, yet. Uh, no. Uh, October twenty four. I'll be a tenured administrator. Okay. So is that is that four years in a day as well? Four years in a day. Yes, sir. Okay, nice. So we're going to obviously follow that journey and uh, we're going to cheer you on Woo. to that, to that milestone and that goal. But for a new teacher, they are just starting out and maybe this is the first time they're listening to podcast PD. They're trying to kind of figure out what is education all about. And you and I have experience. We have worked with student teachers. We have worked with uh, pre-service teachers and we've worked with new teachers in our buildings over the years. So I'd like to think we have some things to say. Now, before we get into what we have prepared, um, we did put the call out on social media. So want to give a quick shout out to Erin Cummings. She is at Erin C underscore CCIU. She's also a friend of the House of Ed Tech. And she shared this on social media. She shared three tips for new teachers. One, it's okay not to have it all together. Number two, a great mentor won't complain all the time. It's okay if your assigned mentor is not the same as the person you go to every day for advice. And number three, networking is so important. And that's what Aaron shared with us a few weeks ago on Twitter. What are your thoughts, AJ? I think she's she's spot on. I think it's okay to, uh, to, to not be perfect. I know she didn't say it like that, but that's basically what it sounds like. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to go ask for help. And it's okay to to find those people who will support you. I like the piece about, you know, I, obviously here in New Jersey, you get assigned a mentor mm -hmm. as a new teacher. And you might find that, like she says, the person you're getting advice from and confiding in might not be the person, you know, you're paying or was assigned to you. Mm -hmm. So you kind of got to look out for those people who are going to take you under their wings. Maybe we just want that money. That's true. I, um, I, there's somebody who I work with who is now a mentor teacher. And I've been busting their chops about, you're not going to take the money, right? <laughs> so we'll see. I'll report back anonymously. Mm -hmm. It's not me because I know I would not take the money. <laughs> um, I just keep getting student teachers. So there you go. <laughs> All right. So some things we have here. And again, if you're joining us in the chat and you, know, you want to share some of your tips and advice for new teachers, please feel free. So the tips that we want to share, we want to talk about 
five things tonight. Number one, planning ahead. Number two, being organized. Number three, establishing classroom rules and expectations. Number four, differentiating your instruction as a new teacher. And number five, asking for help, which is super important. I also recently talked about that on the House of Ed Tech. So AJ, you want to talk about planning ahead or would you like me to? We didn't really plan this out per se, but what do you want to do? No, go ahead. Jump in there. Okay. So planning ahead. Effective teaching requires careful planning and preparation. To ensure that you are ready for your lessons, take the time to plan ahead and create those detailed lesson plans that outline your objectives, your activities, and your assessments. I believe that an effective lesson plan starts with an effective objective. Uh, The way I learned it was to write what is called a three-part objective, where you have some subject-specific aspect to your objective. There is a behavior and a condition. You can come up with the greatest activities in the world, things that are the most fun, but if they don't reinforce what you want students to learn in terms of you know, your Bloom's taxonomy or the skills you might be trying to impart on your students and have them develop. Fun activities are fun, but you have to make sure that they support your learning. Effective planning is creating detailed lesson plans that outline your objectives, your activities, and you consider your assessments. And here are a few steps that you can follow when you plan lessons. Number one, start by identifying the learning objectives for the lesson. What do you want your students to know or what do you want them to be able to do by the end of the lesson or maybe a series of lessons? This is going to help you focus your planning and ensure that your lessons are aligned with your curriculum and your standards. Number two, determine the activities and materials that you will need to support your objectives. This might include readings, videos, worksheets, graphic organizers is a better way to say that, uh, or other resources. Consider how you will introduce the topic, engage your students, and provide support and feedback as needed. Number three, create a timeline for your lesson. Consider how much time you will need for each activity and plan accordingly. And when I say plan accordingly, my advice is a lot more time than you think you'll need because you never know what's going to happen in your classroom. Fire drills, assemblies, kids are out sick. You, AJ, we never know what's going to happen in our classroom that can throw mm-hmm. things completely off the rails. Every day is something new. Oh, yes. Um, and in planning your timeline, you want to consider working backwards, right? Backwards design. You want to plan for your assessments, plan for how you're going to evaluate your students. How are you going to check for understanding? Are you going to use exit tickets? What types of questions can you ask students during a lesson to see if basically are they getting it? Do they understand? And I think a lot of teachers, even veterans, think by asking maybe one or two that they'll assume that the entire class is understanding what's going on. And you've really got to find ways to effectively survey all of your students. Some are going to participate. Some are going to be a little more reserved. So how do you listen and know that the student who's quiet, whether or not they understand what's going on? Okay. Um, And number five, finally. Review and revise your lesson plan as needed. I know as a high school teacher and when I even worked at a middle school, I don't teach different lessons every block of the day or every period of the day. I might be teaching the same thing three times in the block schedule that I currently work under. I teach the same lesson 
six times, three one day, three times the next. And the sixth time I'm doing it, it might look a little different as I make modifications, I adjust my questions, I can better anticipate where students might struggle or I've listened to two or three classes, ask questions, and I can now work in those misunderstandings into the next time I'm presenting the lesson or working with students. So you've got to be ready to modify and adjust. Now, by following these steps, do we guarantee 100% success? No, because it's still teaching. Uh, but if you put the time and effort into planning what you want to do in your classroom, you're going to increase your chances of being successful. Do I guarantee perfection? Hell no. But have a plan. And what what did Captain Cold say on the Flash, AJ? Oh, <laughs> First, <goodness>. you <laughs> for make the plan. Expect the, expect the plan to go off the rails. All right. Make a new plan. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to have that bag of tricks. And as a new teacher, you don't have much in your Mary Poppins bag of goodies. You've got to add things to it over time. Well said, Chris. Well said. All right. I'm going to jump to our, our next one. And I'm going to talk about organization because I think uh, organization is essential for managing our classroom and our time. I think without organization, um, you know, when it comes down to everything you're doing, uh, your materials, your assignments, your grading, uh, you really need to stick to your your plan. I'm going to say this is your plan because my organization, your organization, Chris's organization is going to be very different. But if you create a plan, you'll be able to uh, stay on track and avoid getting overwhelmed. So uh, we're going to talk about here a couple of things that will help you stay organized you know, as you're just getting started. And again, remember, this is not the way to do it. It's a way you can do it. Right. So with that said, I think first and foremost, decide a method for organizing your materials. This is going to include a filing system for your lesson plans and documents using a planner or a calendar. You know, make Google Calendar your best friend in order to keep track of your dates, your deadlines and uh, use your digital tools like cloud storage or project management app uh, to keep your materials organized and accessible. Chris, any tips before I go on with this? Anything that you love that's like Google Calendar related or a digital app to help people? I would say getting your Google Drive organized. Create fold. If you're, say, an elementary school teacher, create a folder for each subject that you're responsible for. Uh, you might want to then break it down by marking period within there. And again, you want to accumulate your resources, you know, keep your math lesson plans in one folder, get mm -hmm. your drive organized, you know, create folders for graphic organizers, create folders for assessments. Uh, create folders for PDF files. When in doubt, create a folder and uh, label things that make sense to you, but have some type of system that can help you be organized electronically. Absolutely. Label it, color code that bad boy. Uh, make sure it works. You know, uh, use your, your LMS. So whether you're using Google Classroom, whether you're using Canva or, you know, Schoology, I don't know if people still use that or not, but, you know, find what's going to help you keep yourself organized. I think that's really, uh, really important. So well said, Chris, thank you for that. Is there anything, do you use any apps in your normal daily life? Because I'm, and I ask this because I'm, I'm, I guess, dabbling in a couple of different productivity apps in my life. Um, so I can kind of make, you know, journaling part of my day more often. And I'm using a lot of apps on, on my phone to like clear my list is, is how I'm going to look at it. Do you use anything like that? And I'm curious. For me, the big tool and it's because I'm in a Google school and even just personally, I really like Google Keep. So yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on my different Gmails, whether it's school or personal, I use Google Keep to create notes, you know, uh, 
jot down ideas, copy things from the web. I throw mm-hmm. them into Google Keep and I'll organize them and tag them accordingly inside of Google Keep. So Google Keep is super, super cool and super valuable for me. And if you don't have anything, it might be valuable for you to check out. Do you use Google Tasks? I do not. Okay. You, I, I just keep a running list in my head and that's why okay. I get in trouble. Yeah, I dabbled <laughs> with that one. It has pros and cons, but I think uh, – I think that that's something I want to continue to play with. I, look, one of the reasons we didn't do podcast PD is because I was not organized in my own professional life. So organization is inc- incredibly important. Uh, moving on, decide on a method for tracking and grading student assignments. This might include using a grade book or spreadsheet to record and calculate grades using an online platform like Google Classroom or Canvas to manage and grade assignments or using a grade book app to track and record grades on your mobile device. Your school may tell you you have to use uh, a specific grade book, whether you use Genesis or real time or name whatever grading thing is out there. But find something that works for you, too, because you might want to keep track of something on your own. Maybe you like your own method. Maybe it doesn't translate well in a grading book that your school uses. So, you know, if you don't if you want to do something out of the box, you know, Google Sheets, if you're if you're a person who can keep track of all those different formulas and all that. That might be helpful for you. Um, I was actually going to, if I could just jump in real quick. So go ahead, with with that, whatever your school is using, and your school is most likely going to be giving you, again, like a power school, real time, Genesis, Encore, something like that. They're going to give you something that's going to pull the report cards and do all that work. So get very familiar with what your district requires you to use so you can use it very effectively. If there's, you know, the ability to comment on assignments or you know, if it automatically publishes homework you put in, use all the features that it might offer you, okay? There might be a way to search standards to attach them and associate them with your lesson in certain LMSs or student information systems, okay? Um, when AJ talks about the spreadsheet, what I can share from my own experience is my school uses OnCourse, so I use all the features that OnCourse allows me to use to color code grades and organize things. What I keep separately for myself as a high school teacher is a spreadsheet of all my students running grades per marking period. So I teach high school. So eventually it gets to the point where I have to have some difficult conversations with kids about, Hey, you need to get yourself in gear and perform, or you're going to repeat this course. Right? So those are conversations Mm -hmm. that I have to have with kids at some point. So it's easy for me to very quickly look at their four marking period grades and be able to say, Hey, I can tweak the numbers right here on a spreadsheet. You need to basically get this grade if you want to pass. Um, and I've done that since 2017. So now I also have this history of student grades and I can kind of track performance and I kind of create my own data to see, you know, how many kids are getting A's, B's, C's failing, uh, based on the class, based on the marking period. So I just create a lot of data for myself. And the way I use that is I will talk with each class from marking period to marking period about, Hey, here's here was your class average. Here's how many students grades went up. I don't name specific kids, but, you know, I had this many students' grades go up. Some of your grades went down. And, you know, I'm really excited for those kids who improved. And, you know, I'm going to work to support you if your grade went down. You know, we're going to keep working hard. So having some of that stuff available because of how I organize it myself makes my life a little bit easier. Some pretty good stuff right there. Good advice. Um, another thing that's important is creating a schedule for grading and returning assignments. Uh, this is definitely something that you know, I think we all need, you know, set aside your time each week to grade. And of course, more importantly than the grade, providing feedback on assignments for students and stick to your schedule. So if you know you don't work well 
when you're home. Use your planning period, use your prep time, use whatever you have to do in order to find that time where you can grade your assignments. You know, some of us don't work well. We pack up our bags at the end of the day, say, I'll grade this at home. I was one of those guys who went home and then never did, you know, especially when you have a lot of distractions at home. So find the time that works for you, whether it's at home or at school, so you can get in there and, and, and grade and return the grades, you know, in a, in a timely fashion. I think that'll be very helpful for your success. Also, setting up a system for organizing and storing student work. This might include creating folders or binders for each student using a digital portfolio platform to store and share student work or using a cloud storage app to keep student work organized and accessible. Those are really important. I think those digital portfolios are definitely something that has been growing and is important. You know, have your kids create their own Google site and you can be part of the uh, ownership of that and you can work together with a student so they can put their work in there and you can kind of see what they're doing and where they're growing. You know, grades are important for a lot of our students, but feedback and growth is what really is going to change the game. So I think when you are definitely organizing yourself and, and, and your students and finding out what works and sticking to it is what's going to really help you from being overwhelmed and, and finding that, that groove. So if you are a first year teacher or if you're somebody who's switching your classroom roles, you know, organization is incredibly, incredibly important. The same thing that we just talked about for organizing your own Google Drive, as an example, talk about that kind of stuff with your students, too. You know, there's no bad time to talk about organizing Google Drive, maybe between semesters, between marking periods, uh, before a big break, uh, you know, winter, spring, you know, kind of have those as being things that you talk about with kids about organizing themselves. And I love the idea of the Google Sites. That's something I have done in the past as well, where I've encouraged students to, you know, do it for world history and then create and build out areas of a personal site for their other classes and again, I, I can't manage the other aspects of their site, but if I'm showing them how to do it in our, in my class, I, it's my hope that they will do that for their other classes as well and kind of uh, have that portfolio built out because, you know, then they'll be ready for applying to college and they'll be a little more organized for that. All right. We're up to number three. It's time to talk about rules and expectations. So to create a positive and productive learning environment, it's important to establish clear rules and expectations for the students in your charge. Communicate these expectations to your students and consistently enforce them to ensure that your classroom is a safe and respectful place for learning. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to come up with all the rules. I think there is value in having your students be a part of the expectation-making process, and that can work at any grade level, elementary, middle, high school. Let your students play a role in establishing what should be the norms of their learning environment especially if you talk about building community and making your classroom a safe space. Some things you want to consider. You want to start by thinking about the behaviors and the attitudes that you want to encourage in your classroom. My classroom, I, I talk about a lot, this idea of respect and you know having a growth mindset and being respectful of your peers and being open-minded to new ways of thinking, especially in a high school classroom where Many different topics can come up in social studies and history. You have to expect that you're not going to agree with everybody and you don't have to agree with everybody. I tell my students, you don't have to agree with me. Challenge me. Ask questions. I'm going to do for you that exact thing. So it starts with respect. Next, you might want to create a list of expectations that align with your goals and your students' goals. 
Maybe you post them prominently in your classroom physically. Maybe there's a document you share in Google Classroom or another learning management system where you can refer back to the expectations of your classroom to make sure that students are reminded of what they should be doing in your space. You want to communicate these expectations to your students. You want to make sure that they understand why the expectations are important and maybe work together to come up with examples of what these expectations look like when they are working and what it might look like if somebody's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then you can have that conversation. You want to consistently enforce rules and expectations. And this is where you need to provide equity. And it's not so much that it has to be equal because every student that comes into your classroom is coming from a different family, a different home, potentially a different culture than your own or the other people in class. So to just blanket equality, you break the rule, that's it. I can't listen. There's no exceptions, if, ands, or buts. You're doing a disservice to your students, all right? And sometimes when we talk to new teachers or new teachers, we might even joke around that, oh, you know, don't smile until Christmas, right? You can smile. You should smile. And you want to be empathetic and compassionate to your students. And if you're building true positive relationships and a good rapport with your kids, then there is room for the rules and expectations to be flexible, all right? But students need to understand how to act. Would you agree, AJ? I, I completely agree. And I'm just trying to figure out how to say this um, appropriately and fairly, right? Your classroom is your classroom. You know, you, you do what you feel is, is best for your environment. That also meets the, the expectations of the school. And when you're, when you're creating your expectations, keep that in mind. You know, you, you, you don't want to be that teacher that, that is the quote unquote fun teacher, cool teacher. You want to be the teacher that the kids enjoy being in class with. So when you're creating your expectations and creating your classroom rules, make sure they align with the school and make sure, as one of Chris said here, make sure that you are consistent with them, right? If gum chewing, which is using an example, is a rule that the school does not allow, don't be like, well, it's okay. You can chew it in my class, you know? Right. If, if you're that teacher that allows hoods and headphones in your classroom, and the school does not say that's not allowed, by all means, if you feel comfortable, let that be the place where the kids feel comfortable. Also, with your class rules and expectations, since they are yours, I'm going to say this as an administrator, I hate that word, fight your battles, right? If you have an issue, don't bring it to your administration. Don't say, this kid's not listening to my classroom rules. Because once you do that, you've taken the power away from you. Now it's up to your administration how they want to handle it. And you can't complain. I think that's pretty fair. I, I tell my kids at the high school, you know, my goal is not to write you up and send you out. I'd like to settle things and figure out any issues within the classroom. Mm -hmm. You fair. know, fair. I want to be the one to have the conversation with you about behavior, expectations, successes, whatever the case may be. I want to handle our business together. The less people I need to get involved with an issue the easier and better it is for everybody. Well said. Now, if it's some glaring, serious issue, Difference yeah, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I've got to do what I got to do to protect myself. But, you know, if you're wearing your hood or you got your cell phone or you're chewing gum or you're being a pain in the neck in class, I'm going to figure that out before I, I don't want to bother anybody. That's just my approach. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Our next one, number four, is differentiating instruction. And this is an important one because I think as we're looking at students now, 
I think it's very clear that not all students learn in the same way or at the same pace. And I think this is why so many other practices in the classroom become extremely important, right? We want to make sure our students are successful. And, and the best way to do that is to differentiate instruction for our students, for their individual needs. Now, just before we say that, we're not saying create one lesson, you know, 25 different ways, but we're saying find ways that, that every student can be part of that lesson somehow, right? So to do that, here are a couple of examples. Number one, use a variety of teaching strategies. Different students may respond better to different teaching strategies. For example, some students may learn best through hands-on activities, while others may benefit from more structured, teacher-led, uh, lecture-style instruction. By using a variety of teaching strategies, teachers can ensure that their instruction is engaging and effective for all students. Now, the key word there, everybody, engaging and effective. Make sure it's engaging. Don't just sit there and, and drill on like you're the teacher from Ferris Bueller. That's not what we want. Number two, adjust the difficulty of assignments. Not all assignments are at the same level. and It is important to provide challenges that are appropriate for each student's abilities. Teachers can adjust the difficulty of assignments by providing scaffolding or support for struggling students or by providing more challenging tasks for the advanced students. Number three, provide additional support. Some students may need additional support in order to succeed. This is where you come in, teacher. This might include providing one-on-one -on -one or small group instruction, offering additional help during office hours or after school, or providing accommodations such as extended time or alternative assessments. And finally, number four, use technology. And I know Chris wants to use his tagline here. Technology isn't difficult. Let's give it a try. Right? Is that what you want to say? I couldn't have said it. Well, you, I you, said it, probably you did a really good time. job. Thank you. Technology <laughs> can be a powerful tool for differentiating instruction. For example, teachers can use online learning platforms, provide personalized learning experiences for students, or use adaptive learning software that adjusts to each student's needs. Look, those are just some examples. And I think if you really want to drill into you know, how to best differentiate instruction, just ask questions. There are people out there who are experts with this. And you know, I think there's a lot of different methodologies that can be used in a classroom to help. Um, but again, like the only way you can really differentiate your instruction is by understanding who your students are. And that's from building relationships with your students because you can do anything that you, that you read in the books, but if you don't know your students, you're not going to find success in how you can turn that classroom around. I can't reinforce enough. You've got to get to know your kids. If you think you can be a successful educator and not get to know the children, you are going to be very, very unhappy in this life you've carved out for yourself. So get to know your kids. Relationships are so important at any grade level. Before we move on to our fifth one, I uh, saw Amanda Fox. Earlier, we were talking about productivity, and she recommended Riker, W-R-I-K-E-E-R. -E -E uh, it's a great product management for teams um, and for team communications. Maybe you consider Slack or how you're going to communicate with the teachers on your grade level or in your department. Um, and there could be channels for everything and uh, maybe the whole school is participating. So maybe find the ways that your school and your colleagues are communicating when you're not face-to-face -face in faculty department meetings or maybe common planning time. So thank you, Amanda, for you, Amanda. Riker, or as I was going to call it, number one for any Star Trek fans out there. No? Sorry, okay. not a Star Trek. No problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five in our tips for new teachers. Ask for help for the Sandlot fans. For help. 
teaching can be challenging, AJ. Did you know that? Um, I know that <laughs> people who don't work in schools don't know that. Right. If you don't think teaching is easy, clearly you don't work in this profession. All right. Uh, it is normal to need help and it is normal to need support. Do not be afraid to ask for help from your colleagues, your mentors, and your school administrators. I don't believe, believe, <laughs> I don't believe, and I heard this once, if you're a new teacher or really at any point in your career, don't ever go to your administrator for help. Don't ever let your administrator smell the blood of fear and failure in your profession. Or is that baloney or is that baloney? Uh, it's baloney to an extent. Uh, well, then. Okay, so let me, I'll give a scenario. You tell me if it's baloney or not. Go New game it. we're going to play. Go for it. <laughs> I'm a first year teacher and I am having what I think is trouble getting little Susie to participate in morning meeting, right? I have no idea what to do. She comes in, she's dejected, she's not engaged, and I'm concerned because I want her to feel a part of the community and I'm trying to do all these things, just not working. Mm -hmm. Knock, knock, knock. Mr. Bianco, I was wondering, I want to talk to you about one of my students, and I feel like I can't get her to be as engaged and more demeaning as possible. Would you maybe, like, can you help me? I think like, that's fair. That's fair. That's certainly fair. I mean, you're looking for advice, you're looking for coaching, and you're looking for leadership on how to do this. You know, as a first-year teacher or, I don't want to say first-year, but new teacher, whether it's building, school, level, whatever, um, you know, you're looking for coaching. And, uh, and that's where I think it's appropriate to ask for help. Now, you started to hint at, Maybe there are situations where you maybe shouldn't go to your administrator or I might be phrasing it wrong. Maybe you don't want to bother your administrator, but w what are you thinking about? Um, for me, classroom management, uh, I, I think classroom management is something you have to, you have to learn. I, I think it's a, a skill and I think it's something that you have to actually like take part in. So when it comes to classroom management, probably not the best idea to call, call your administrator and say, can you come down here and help me with my class? <laughs> you know, or just send kids out to the office. Ah. No, not, not, I'm not a huge fan of, of that for a variety of reasons. But I mean, look, if you're a first year teacher or brand new to a building and that's how you ask for help, I get it. And that's fine. But from that, if you do that, use it as a learning experience of what I should do next time so that, you know, this is on me, the teacher and not, you know, the students waiting for the principal to walk into the build into the into the room to see how how it's going to be handled. Right. Really so I, I just wanted to just debunk the myth that don't think you can't go to your administrator if you think no, you right. need help or coaching. Right. There, there's a difference there, right? right? If you want coaching like this is what I've tried so far, can you please help me versus I'm going to throw my hands up and can you just take care of it for me? Huge difference. Right. So you don't want somebody to show up who hasn't tried anything. They're just looking this. to you for right. Yeah. Don't 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 give me hands up and like, well, I tried to say, hey, everybody, please stop. It's just not working. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So your your colleagues, your administrators, they can all provide valuable advice. And asking for help can be difficult, but it's an important part of being a successful teacher. And here are a few tips that you should feel comfortable using to ask for help. Number one, remember, it's okay to ask for help. Seems simple, but that thought escapes a lot of people. Teaching is challenging, and nobody is expected to have all the answers. Asking for help, as AJ said, is a sign of strength, not weakness. Asking for coaching, because you want to get better. I'm not an administrator, but if I'm ever in that position, I want to work with people who want to get better. 
and are willing to be coached and willing to listen. Number two, you want to identify the type of help you need. Before you ask for help, think about what it is you need and why you need it. Are you struggling with a particular lesson plan or an instructional strategy? Do you need advice on how to handle a difficult situation with a student? Knowing what you need will make it easier for others to provide the right support. It also might influence who you go to ask for help. Number three, choose the right person to ask. Not everyone will be able to provide the help you need, so it's important to choose the right person. This, again, could be a colleague who has experience with the issue you are dealing with, a mentor who can provide guidance and advice, or Mr. Bianco who can provide support and additional resources, right? Maybe AJ isn't going to help you directly, but because he's been there, he's the administrator, he might know this is the counselor you need to meet with, or here's somebody who I know at your grade level or in your department, you could go and talk to, right? So that's where that can work. Uh, Number four, be specific and direct. When you ask for help, ask for what you need. This is going to make it easier for the person you're asking to understand your situation and provide what they think might be the right kind of support. And number five, you need to be open to feedback and suggestions. You can't get frustrated if you're asking for help and you all of a sudden don't like what you're being told. So you've got to be open-minded when you ask for help. And remember that the person you are asking, if they're responding to you, they are trying to help you and their advice and guidance could be valuable. Now, if you follow these tips, is it going to rectify all your problems? No, we're not saying that. But you should feel comfortable asking for help when you need it. Because if you want to improve, at some point you're going to need to listen to other people and you're going to have questions. So feel comfortable and confident asking those questions. Do you have any thoughts on asking for help besides what you shared already? No, and I, I think it's important to ask for help. I, re- I really do. I, I don't. I don't mean to diminish anything i think is really you know asking shows as you said strength it shows character it shows your integrity it shows that you want to grow so so ask for help and if it's not the administration definitely find you know mentors or teammates or anything that, that can help you along the way get your network out there ask 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 yes so to recap what we talked about in this episode we talked about planning ahead we talked about being organized We talked about establishing clear classroom rules and expectations. We also talked about differentiating your instruction and getting comfortable and confident asking for help. If you have other things, other tips for new teachers, send us an email, feedback at podcastpd.com or tweet them out and tag us at podcastpd on Twitter, on Instagram, and we can obviously keep this conversation going. And of course, if you are in the Podcast PD Discord community over at podcastpd.com slash discord, we can have a nice follow-up discussion on these tips for teachers. And who knows, maybe one day we'll turn all these tips into uh, a comic book or something. There we go. I like that. <laughs> the teacher tip comic book. There you go. All right. Before we leave this episode, we want to thank our executive producers, and we're going to talk about what we've been listening to. And I've got a fun one to share. So do you get value from our conversations or this new style of podcast PD? And did you ever wonder, gosh, is there a way to give back to Chris and AJ for the hard work that they put into these episodes and the content and the discords and everything they're trying to do for educators? Well, heck yeah, there is. You can show your support and give back on either a monthly 
or a yearly basis. You can donate $10 a month, or you could maybe contribute $100 for the year. And as a thank you for your giving back, every executive producer will get a Podcast PD sticker, and we'll send you a mug and a t-shirt if you're doing that on a yearly basis. If you'd like to give back to the show, go to podcastpd.com slash executive producer. And that is in the show notes, which are a swipe or a tap away in your podcast player. Special thanks to our current executive producers, Holly Landez, Sandy Hartman, and Stephanie Scrocky. Thank you to Holly, Sandy, and Stephanie. And now, what have we been listening to? I have, AJ, a great podcast, and I don't even know, even though we talk multiple times a week, I don't know that I've shared this podcast with you up until this moment. Have I? Yes or no? I don't believe so. All right. This is a great podcast, everybody. It is called Everything Everywhere. Yes, Everything Everywhere. It's a podcast for intellectually curious people. Learn something new every single day. Everything Everywhere Daily tells the stories of interesting people, places, and things from around the world and throughout history. Topics covered um, include, but are not limited to, history, science, geography, culture. AJ, I've been listening to this podcast every day. There are over 500 episodes available. I'm not going back and starting at the beginning. I just, when I, when it first came across my, um, my podcast listening, I just picked it up. And just started listening. It's every day. It's less than 20 minutes. And basically, the episodes are the equivalent of a 2,000-page term paper on a topic. So, so many interesting episodes available. Uh, The website is everything-everywhere.com. And it's a really, really fun show. It's super well-produced. And it's really informative. I can't tell if you're looking it up right now or... (laughs) Yes. Nope. Looking it up. Yes. Every, everything everywhere daily with Gary uh, from Glass Glassbox Media. Yes, Gary Arnt. Gary Arnt. All right, I'll check it out. A lot of encore episodes here, so I guess I can dig into some of the old so the Battle of Yorktown. Okay. Yeah, no, there's good stuff. So actually Gary is on he was traveling. Basically COVID brought him into this podcast. He was working in the travel industry mm-hmm. and COVID hit. Travel industry is not traveling. So he started this podcast during COVID and has kept it up. So these uh, he's been on vacation this last week. So still episodes come out every single day and uh, new episodes are, I think they come back tomorrow or on the 31st. Well, all right then. And then every episode is brand new and so many interesting topics. So many. Um, you just mentioned the Battle of Yorktown. There's one about the speed of light, um, brief history of basketball. It, it's, it's all topics, all topics, everything, everywhere, daily. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give it a try. I think you'll enjoy it. A brief history of basketball. Yes. In I think it's really good. Cool. Must be really yes. yes. <laughs> From downtown. Yes. <laughs> All right. Have you been listening to anything, my friend? Uh, nothing new. I got to be honest with you. I, I stick to what I've been listening to. Um, a lot of the the uh, the ones that I love compete every day. You know, that, that's one that's my go-to. Um, I've dabbled in some new podcasts. Dabble is my word of the day, I guess. Um <laughs> Uh, look, there's some things that I'm figuring out as, as time goes on. So I'm listening to the, I have ADHD podcast. <laughs> so, 
people who are listening might hear your wife laughing at you, but you just might. Who knows? Are you self-diagnosing? Uh, yeah, the podcast is actually helping me. So I had to go back to episode one for that one. But uh, yeah, that's one that I've been having a, a good time. You just found a new one that we're both going to try that you, we were talking about before we recorded this one. Definitely guilty pleasure. Oh, yes. I don't think anybody cares about that one, though. We tried that once before with the, with the podcast. But, you know, I'm going to get down with this new Harley Quinn and Joker podcast. <laughs> On Spotify. It's a Spotify, Spotify exclusive. Spotify exclusive with Christina Ricci. Yes. That's Harley Quinn. So we'll see how that goes. It's not out yet, but that was a trailer I played for you. So we'll see how that, how that one works out for me. Well, people listening to this as a podcast can listen to it because this is coming out February 1st. So Joker and Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn and Joker premiered yesterday. If you're listening to the podcast version, yeah, it's it's <laughs> Harley Quinn and the Joker sound mind. So uh, dig in if you're if you're a DC Comics person. Nice. Very cool. Let's go. All right. Well, hey, AJ, hey. it's good to be back doing podcast PD. Podcast PD, the podcast. That's right. And we're we're looking forward to bringing you not 30 or 26, but we're looking forward to bringing you 11 or 12 episodes here in 2023 doing the once a month plan. So we were very excited uh, because I think that'll work for your newly diagnosed uh, lifestyle. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I'm, I'm you know. <laughs> hey, putting some things together here. So we'll see how that goes. Yes. Leg, Lego, one brick at a time. Like it. <laughs> um, so we want to hear from you. So give us your thoughts and your feedback by emailing us feedback at podcastpd.com, or you can send us a voice message, podcastpd.com slash feedback. And again, we're going to be back on Sunday, February 26th, and we're going to record episode 125, where we will be again providing you with some great anytime, anywhere professional development. Our big call to actions, number one, share the show with somebody else. Number two, join us on Discord. Go to podcastpd.com slash Discord, where we can continue the conversation and continue to learn and grow together. And of course, connect with me on Twitter, at Mr. Nessie. And AJ, where can people connect with you? Uh, yeah, I'm still out there on the, the social medias, at AJ Bianco, anywhere you can find social media. You haven't um, found a Mastodon server yet? Uh, no, I, I, I quickly <laughs> stopped looking into that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Podcast PD does not have a Mastodon account, and we're just going to stick with Twitter and Instagram and Discord. Yeah, keep it keep it simple. Keeping it simple. All right, everybody. Thank you for checking in. It's good to be back, and we will see you on the next one. Wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at PodcastPD on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag PodcastPD. To connect with AJ and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to PodcastPD.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoy Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care. <laughs>